Hello, friends. Welcome to the podcast. My name is Maureen Towns, and I'm your host. My guest today is Lisa Marie Genovese. Lisa Marie and I met about eight years ago, and she is the president of Bottom Line Marketing here in Calgary. One of the things I love about Lisa Marie is uh, her sense of uh, mischief, which um, probably translates to her description of uh, being a bit of a challenger in, in this podcast. And one of the things I want you to listen for is towards the end, when I ask her if she has anything that she wants to promote, she talks about some brainstorming sessions. And those are open to anyone, not just her clients, and they don't have to uh, be entrepreneurs, people who are just needing to brainstorm about a problem in their business. Her team is available. And uh for free. So look for her contact information in the show notes. Uh, it sounds like a fantastic opportunity to tap into some uh, real masterminds. I hope you enjoy our conversation. We're live. Hello, Lisa Marie. How are you? I am well. How are you doing? Good. Now I call you Lisa Marie and, and Lisa Marie is, is where what I see written. Uh, what do most people call you? Um, well, I, my name is Lisa Marie, but I gave up on that a long time ago and have just been going by Lisa because often I would introduce myself at events as, hi, I'm Lisa Marie. And then I get, oh, nice to meet you, Lisa. And so I've just kind of, it's been a lot of years since I've, I've actually gone by my full name. So either or is fine. Yeah. I'll people just shorten it for you. <laughs> yeah. And I'll answer to just about anything. So <laughs> good. Now, Lisa Marie, I, I like, where did we meet? Like, I'm sure it was through a networking something, something somewhere, but I can't remember what it was or what year it was. Well, I think it might've been, um, I think we might've been in a group program with Nadine Nicholson, actually, way oh. back in the day. Um, that would have been, oh geez. 20, probably. like 11. No, no. Not quite that far 12, back, 2012 or 2013, but yeah, it's been a, been a few years. <laughs> That's right. I think it was an online program that we were doing and we were encouraged to meet people one-on-one uh, -on -one and, and mm -hmm. get to know them. And so I think you and I probably arranged a coffee or something like that. And the rest is history. That's right. Well, knowing us, it was probably wine, not coffee, but yeah, we might've, <laughs> we might've, we might've had some wine. Um, <laughs> Yeah. And, and, you know, there's people that, that you meet over your lifetime and people that you just click with immediately and you don't need to see them all the time. That's you and me. Like we don't, we see each other once a year ish. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. And it's hilarious. It's always a good time. And we always a good time. And it's like, we just saw each other yesterday kind of thing. Totally. Every time. And you are a marketing guru. Tell me about yourself. Tell me about yourself. Well, you're very kind to say guru. Um, <laughs> so I guess our, our firm, we really get put in the marketing agency bucket. But, uh, you know, how I describe us is we're usually a market research firm who happens to be good at marketing. Uh, so where we start with all of our clients is through your, your typical, you know, surveys, interviews um, from a competitive analysis standpoint, we'll even do mystery shopping. Um, we a very holistic view of the business. So we will look through clients' financials, um, their business model, help them with pricing analysis. 
So a lot of the geeky stuff that a lot of marketing firms don't do, we love, and we use that then to help those clients build a pretty comprehensive strategy. Um, and once that's in place, then we help them with, you know, your typical digital marketing. Mm. Um, yeah. So we're, we're very data-driven firm, uh, really don't believe in making a recommendation for a client if there isn't data to support why they should be doing that. Um, mm. How'd you get into this? Oh, well, I, I worked for a firm that did marketing for IT and MSPs um, at the beginning of my career. And I saw a lot of gaps and a lot of holes just in the way that, that they did business. But, um, you know, even the, the type of work, it was lacking a lot of that research. So it was kind of cookie cutter, for lack of better words. Um, and so I left in 20, the end of 2010. And in 2011, I started Bottom Line. Um, and at the beginning, we were really just a web development shop. Uh, so my two direct reports from that agency left and came to work for me um, within, I think, a month or two of starting the company. Um, and they were front end and a back end developer. Mm -hmm. so we did a lot of web development and I did a lot of consulting work, but we were always asked, you know, Hey, can you, can you build, you know, new sales collateral or, Hey, could you, you know, help us build a strategy? And we also need a website. And my answer would be yes. But in order to do that, we need to go and understand your industry, understand your customers, understand your business, uh, before we can really decide what that website should be, what it should say. Um, and so we were doing that kind of by instinct and then there came a day, it was probably mm, maybe 2015 where I said, man, this needs to be in one formalized process because we're doing this over and over for every single client. You know, we're, we need the same level of information to do a good job. Um, and we need to formalize this. So we put it into a process that we now call an impact assessment. Um, and that's like a, a requirement for clients. Um, they have to go through that process first before we will help them with, you know, their ongoing marketing. Um, Cause we know that we do a way better job when we have the proper information. I love the, the fact that you talk about research. So going and doing market research for people to, to sort of understand, you know, what's out there, you know, who are the clients? Where are they? What are they buying? What's the capacity? You know, what, and I, and I don't understand marketing, quite frankly, and I, and I, um, I don't like it. <laughs> I don't do it very well. Um, so what am I, what, what do, what does someone like me need to know about marketing? Like, like, well, I don't even know where to start. Like, I just, I think I have an idea of who my ideal client is. And I think I, I think I know where they are and what they're experiencing. Um, but then I don't go out and reach them. That's fair. And um, I think, you know, just the basics, um, people think that market research and building a strategy has to be super complex and it, it doesn't, yeah. you know, very simply put, go and talk to your customers and find out why they chose you over everyone else. What do they like about working with you um, versus people that they've worked with in the past? Um, what do they not like? That's the hard question to ask, but there's a lot of gold in asking that question. Mm. Um, so really understanding what makes that customer tick um, has to be first and foremost. Then just looking at your competitors and again, what are your competitors not doing that leave a big gap in the marketplace for you to fill? Mm -hmm. um, those are probably the two most simple things. And then really looking at trend analysis, what's happening in the space you play in that you need to be paying attention to. So the blockbuster Netflix example is the easiest one to give, but had they paid attention and done their the basic homework 
they would still be here today. I, I make that argument all the time. Um, they needed to understand what their customer needed and they needed to understand what their competitors were doing and why and how they filled and shored up that gap. Um, so it, it doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to cost a lot of money, yeah. uh, but just gathering those few simple things really make a big difference in what direction you go with your strategy because so many people think from a marketing perspective that I have to be on social media and I have to have a great website and I have to do this and I have to do that. And my first answer is always why, you know, I have B2B companies coming to me saying, Oh, we need to be on Facebook. And I'm like, okay, why? And they're like, well, somebody, a social media expert told me so. And I just roll my eyes and say, well, if your audience isn't even hanging out on that platform, why would you put the effort in, into being on Facebook? Um, so it, it's really being smart about where you're putting your time and your efforts, um, and making sure that that lines up with some data. So understanding who the customer is and where they hang out, and that's where you put your effort in. Mm. Uh, so many people overcomplicate it. Um, that's, it's really that simple. Yeah. I've been told, uh, since 2012, 2013, that I need to blog every week. I need to be on Facebook. I need to be, you know, putting out, you know, and, and like you mentioned cookie cutter earlier and, and it's been the same sort of message uh, every time I look at marketing and I, and I don't honestly, I don't want to blog every week. I just don't. And I never have. I, tr I took a run at it once and I'm just super resistant to it. I just like, it's been years and I've not, I've never done it. And so now when I, you know, I, I look at marketing and I'm like, oh, God, I've got to blog every week. I don't want to blog every week. I'm not, I'm just not going to. Which is fair. And if I'm being honest, I, myself personally, I'm not a big um, blogger. I, I find videos are easier. I can just, you know, I have an iPhone 11, so it's got a great camera and I throw in some headphones. I have an external lav mic as well, it, depending where I'm at pop in the headphones, shoot a quick video, and there's my blog. Um, so it, again, doesn't have to be complicated, but it has to be what works for you. Because if you're pressuring yourself every week to write a blog post, it's going to, when you read that blog post, it's going to feel like you were pressured every week. Yeah. Yeah. It's forced. <laughs> it, it looks forced. It looks, yeah. Um, yeah, it doesn't read very passionate uh, because I don't feel very passionate when I'm writing it. Which is, which is fair. Yeah. Another tip or trick that I do is all I use Google Keep, which is just a free, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's mm -hmm. a free Google um, program. It's kind of like sticky notes and you can use it on your phone as well as in your web browser. Mm -hmm. I'll just open a Google Keep note and I will talk to it. Yeah. And use like the voice to text. It'll type it all out. And then I send that to my team to be cleaned up. Into oh, nice. So it gives my, you know, my, my thought process of what I want in it. They've got some bones to work with and, uh, quick and quick and easy. Oh, you're such a techie. Oh, <laughs> so I was, I was checking out your website and you know, one, one of the things that came through to me was that you, uh, your, your clients are challengers. Your clients are the rebels. Your clients are the people who, when others say you can't, then like, you, you know, and then this is, literally from your site, watch me, right? What, what, what appeals to you about these individuals? But I giggle a little bit because it emulates me. Like yeah. I, I, I make the joke all the time. I, I was cooking dinner with my husband last night and uh, I literally turned around and over my shoulder went, how do you like me now? And he laughed and, and uh, 
well, that's, that's you to a T and, and that's where the challenger piece comes from for sure. Definitely passionate about helping those companies grow. And I would argue our firm is the same. Like we are, we are not afraid to, you know, step outside the boundaries and color outside the lines. We not afraid to say no. Um, and when somebody tells us that that's not possible, we definitely will say, watch us yeah. and then look back and say, how do you like me now? Um, so we're, we're a little bit cheeky. Um, and a lot of the companies that we work with have that similar feel to them that they really want to go to the next level and they'll do what it takes to get there. And when I say that, a lot of people kind of go, eh. I'm not talking about something negative or something bad. I just mean they're, they're willing to work hard and be scrappy to get to the top. Um, and they're often doing that from a place, obviously of integrity, but from a place of like, they'll hustle. They're not afraid to work hard. Mm -hmm. Um, and I feel like that's what separates challengers from a lot of other companies is some companies, their success has fallen into their lap. Um, whereas the challengers have kind of had to claw their way up the whole, the whole time. Um, and so helping them get to the top is, it's just near and dear to my heart. I love, hmm. love watching them get to where they wanted to go and get there faster because they're willing to work hard. Fighters. They're fighters. That's right. <laughs> you put something in front of me. I'm going around it, going over it. Totally. It's I'm going there. Happen. Yeah. I'm passionate. <laughs> I'm driven. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense to me. So I had a good conversation with um, uh, a friend of mine um, yesterday and we talked a lot about values, mm-hmm. you know, and values-based leadership. And, I, and that's what I'm hearing you describe, right? You know, the value of that fight, that um, resilience, that you can't tell me no, right? Yeah. Um, and so what, how would you describe your values? Oh, that's a, a good one. Um, so our like four core values um, within the company are leadership, intuition, impact, and proactivity. Those are kind of our four. What a four, combo. Four pillars. Yeah. Um, and I mean, you know, in terms of, um, you know, that leadership piece and then leading those companies through the journey to create impact is, I mean, that's just us to a T. <laughs> yeah. And I think that, you know, to, to build on, probably the conversation you had yesterday around um, values and leadership is that, you know, once you know those values, it helps you understand not only yourself, but helps, helps your organization kind of understand of this is who we are and it helps make decisions a lot easier. Um, It helps, you know, drive the ship on, you know, what direction you should be going. It ensures that everybody's rowing the boat in the same, to the same North star, um, we don't have one person rowing forward and someone rowing backward and just spinning in the water. Mm-hmm. Um, I use that canoe analogy a lot. Those values will help unite your organization um, and and help give you kind of clear purpose on where you're going. For sure, and it makes and, and it it helps you suss out who who's who should be working with you and who shouldn't. Totally right because the values need to be aligned. So you said so. Help me understand leadership, mm-hmm. um, impact, impact intuition and proactivity intuition i've never heard that as a value before so where did that the, come from that well t- candidly um the values work that we did was with a firm called culture smith um, in town um, and they helped us set our functional and our frictional values so those were our functional that i just listed off for you um, but but really um 
intuition, it kind of comes back to that challenger piece. So really listening to your gut and knowing when something's right versus when something is wrong um, and listening to that and then using that intuition to fuel that, that's where the productivity piece comes in. Mm. So making sure that you're thinking forward, um, you know, you know what's coming, you're planning for what's coming. Um, that's kind of where those two come in. And then, you know, impact, I think is kind of a given it's, it, it's not just a, a drip in the, in the pond, but the ripple effect, mm. um, you know, how do we create big impact that has that ripple effect? Mm -hmm. uh, and leadership is, I think that one's pretty self-explanatory. Well, it can be, but mm -hmm. I, but I was going to ask you about it a little bit because sure. leadership's a big word, you know, and yeah. it gets tossed around, um, as though we're all on the same page, right? Mm -hmm. About what, you know, what is leadership? And I, I, I could argue that it can be different. Like, I mean, I could look at leadership and say, oh, you know what? When you say leadership to me, it means walking the talk, you know, and other people could say, well, leadership to me means effective communication. Leadership to me means trust, right? Trustworthy, steady as she goes. Other people will describe leadership as someone who really has a lot of knowledge, right? So every, there, there are some assumptions around that word. So That's what does it fair. mean to you? Well, and I, I'm going to talk about a, a picture versus, so I'm sure anybody who's listening to this has probably seen there is, um, there's like a meme that's got a boss sitting on top of a boulder and his team is pushing the boulder. Yes. yes and then yes. there is the other side to it, which shows leader, which is the, the boss guy is in front of that boulder and he's pulling it and the team is helping push it. Right. And like that, that to me is leadership. It's showing, you know, we're having clear vision and being able to articulate that clear vision very concisely on this is where we're going, guys. This is what we're trying to achieve. And then many of the things that you just described of, you know, having open and honest communication, you know, building trust from that open and honest communication, you know, championing your team to, you know, build others up. Um, you know, it's leadership is so many different things, but mm -hmm. every time that I see that image, that to me, I'm like, oh, if we could put it into one, one word or one thing, that's it. It's, it's leading from the front versus asking people to kind of push you along the way. Mm, that's a really good, that's a very effective uh, way to describe what you're getting at is to give you, I've seen that visual, like I and I, and even if people haven't seen it, your description is is uh, clear, and there's so much in that image. There is. It's a it's a powerful one. Um, yeah. It's good. You talked about functional versus frictional values. I've not heard that before. Help me understand that. Um. So that is one of the things that really drew me towards wanting to work with Culture Smith. Um, yeah. So a lot of people do just core, air quotes core values. Um, which is fine, um, but what it doesn't highlight is the frictional, which is kind of like what's against your culture, what you know is going to grate on your nerves um, and your team's nerves, and you know what's going to make you butt heads. Um, and so for us, you know, our frictional values are affection, contentment, adequacy, and controlling. Ooh, and I know, and it's it's interesting, you know, when you look at like affection is the opposite of leadership. Contentment is the opposite of intuition. 
and adequacy is the opposite of impact. And finally, controlling is the opposite of being proactive or proactivity. So they're very, it's kind of designed to look at it almost like as a teeter-totter um, that you either embody the frictional or the functional. There is no in-between. Did you say affection? You betcha. Affection is the opposite of leadership. Uh, uh, affection, yeah, opposite of leadership. And so let me describe to you what yeah, affection means to us. Affection is somebody who, and actually before I do this, I'm just going to quantify just because these are our frictional values doesn't mean that they're bad things. If somebody, no. if somebody embodies these values, it just means that they may not align with our culture. Right. Uh, so it doesn't mean that these are because you have, a, you're affectionate. It doesn't make you a bad person. I guess I just want to say that. Um, so affection though, in, in our definition is somebody who really kind of always needs that pat on the back. They always need to be told that they're doing a good job and they need their hand held. And there are often people that, um, you know, crave that human to human connection a lot. And I wouldn't say that my team, you know, isn't personable or that we don't, you know, share how we're feeling, but my team is very, everybody's very independent and self-sufficient. And that's where that leadership piece comes in. Every person that I hire on my team could be in front of that boulder, dragging it up the hill with the rest of the team behind it. It doesn't have to be just me. Um, whereas if you're, if you're looking at somebody who embodies that affection value, they're, they're not going to be that person that's going to stand in front of that boulder and pull it up the hill. They're going to be looking to who's going to tell them that they need to do that. So they're, they're often just from a, a values conflict standpoint, they're not as independent as somebody who's, who's a true leader. Oh, interesting. So I almost hear independent versus um, dependent. So this, you just bring up, I'm so glad you, you described all of that to me because it, it, it makes, once again, the point for me that um, we do have different interpretations to different value words. Yes. And it can lead to huge misunderstandings and sometimes even huge conflict for people. And, and, I, and I talk about this example a lot. People talk about, you know, everyone can agree that respect is important. And everyone says, yes, 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 yes. Mm -hmm. Respect is a value. Absolutely. I am respectful. Everyone would describe themselves that way or, well, except for you and I, sometimes when we're out, uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe at Stampede, but, but typically very respectful people. And, um, or that I'm, you know, I'm a really effective communicator. Yes. Effective communication is really, really important, but where the, where the rub comes in for people and where the conflict happens and the judgment and the misunderstanding and the divisiveness comes from, okay, what behaviors do you associate with that word? What does, mm -hmm. what does respectful behavior look like at work? What does effective communicational um, look like? What am I doing when I'm being effective? And, you know, I've had people of different generational cohorts, for example, say, well, I'll give you an example. You know, if I'm coming, if I'm down the hallway from you, have the decency to get up out of your chair and come down and speak to me face to face, you know, and, and someone else will say, whoa, 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 I never do. I would not do that to you. That would be disrespectful because I would be interrupting you. I would send you an email so that you could digest this in your own time. And so when you, you describe some of your values, you know, like functional versus frictional values, you know, and you mention affection, you know, I'm like, well, 
I guess I better not give Lisa a hug the next time I see her, you know, not like at all. Not at all. that would be bad, you know, Wait, or we're big huggers. Just let me clarify that we <laughs> hug all of our clients. <laughs> right. But I mean, there's, a, there's, a, there's some interpretation yeah. there. And so, so making sure that everyone's on the same page and, and understands, you know, what does that actually look like in play? And I, and I really like what you say too, that once you have that, once you have that understanding and those values articulated, it really helps to, you know, align the team, right? Rowing mm -hmm. in the same direction. And um, I would imagine it helps you pick out which clients are great, a great fit for you. Yeah. So that was the other thing after uh, Culture Smith. I, I should just be a walking billboard for Culture Smith, I think. I'm going to say, like, I, this is great, great marketing for Culture Smith. I hope, I hope they're clients now. Oh, that's super funny. But so, in terms of um, the functional and frictional values, once that was set, they uh, gave us a battery of questions and they're really simple questions that we can use. Um, to start to vet clients, um, vendors, um, we use them in interview settings if we're bringing on a new team member. So it becomes very clear whether they're a values match or they're not. Um, and there are questions that can be asked even in like a networking setting that don't feel weird. Yeah. Um, they, that, you know, the way they're phrased changes slightly depending on if you're in an interview, whether you're, or if you're in, in you know, in front of a potential client. Um, but they, they have no choice but to answer from what their value set is. There is no right or wrong answer to these questions. And that has been tremendously valuable. Uh, we've got very low turnover rate, both, you know, churn rate on clients and um, turnover with staff because of this very thing. Um, we know if somebody fits, you know, three of the four uh, functional values and they embody one of the frictional we now have a bit of a predictability metric on how long that client will work with us. Wow. Uh, it, it's, it's actually fascinating, the system that, uh, that CultureSmith has built, and it's been super valuable for us to make sure we've got you know, the right fit, both clients and team. Um, and it, it's interesting too, further to that work we've done, uh, we also do personality color testing um, through our hiring process, as well as Colby testing. And it sounds like, oh my God, this woman must be a geek nerd with data. Um, I am a little bit. Uh, but, you know, it has made such a difference on communication styles and, you know, how, how people's work days are even formulated. We offer a lot of flexibility for our team on, for instance, in their Colby index, if they're, you know, low quick start and they, you know, can't do meeting to meeting to meeting to meeting. Well, we just adjust our schedule so they don't have to do that. Mm. Um, you know, I, I have low quick starts, the easy one for me to pick on because I'm high quick start. I, but I have too. Okay. So I have one team member who's a one <laughs> in quick start. Mm -hmm. And he finds that by like, you know, noon, he's, he's totally burnt out. And so he, you know, works our, our typical start time, 730. He works 730 to 1130. And then he takes a few hour break. And then he comes back and works a little bit into the evening because that's what works for him. So it, it's been uh, kind of building a fine balance between values, your personality color and your Colby and how you structure your day and make sure that your, your cup is filled up by your work and not drained all the time from your work. That's awesome. I haven't heard Colby since 2005. I think it was mm -hmm. 2005. We were 
We were new to Calgary and, and my ex-husband works in HR and I think he was certified in Colby at one point. And that's the most I know about Colby really is just, you know, there were some binders around the house and I quickly peeked at it. So I, I've never done the profile, but I do understand the concept of the quick start. Um, and yeah, and uh, I am a little bit that way. Um, and so what personality colors do you use? Because like, there's a million of colors, right? True. And so uh, the original ones that I went through, I, I've done, I did DISC way back in the day. Um, but Culture Smith has their own profiling that they, that they follow. It's based on Myers-Briggs um, okay. as well. Um, and then the current firm that we work with um, from a coaching consulting um, perspective, they're called Stoke Growth. And they use their own version of the personality colors. And so... I will admit that it's gotten a little bit confusing because I have Culture Smith's colors down like this. Yes. Uh, and Rich and Fallon from Stoke Growth. I often am like, okay, you're saying blue, which in my profile that means green. And yeah. I have to do a bit of a, a switcheroo in my head. But right. Um, but I, there's many out there. Um, like Real Insights is another one, or real, I think True Colors. Insights, Discovery, True Colors. Yes, like there's a ton of them. Everybody likes colors. Agreed. I, the one thing I will say though about DISC is it's great and fine and wonderful, but the reports are way too long. Like yeah. I just want a really simple, here's your primary, here's your secondary color, and here's what they mean. Mm -hmm. um, I find that the 30 page DISC report, it's a little too much. Like it's too hard to use in actual practice. Almost too nuanced. That's my two cents on it anyway. Interesting. I have some friends and at one point I was certified in something called Emergenetics and, and, and the yeah. reason I liked Emergenetics was that it, it, it teases out the behaviors, not just the preference, the thinking and feeling right. preferences, just like how do you actually show up in a room, yeah. um, which can be really, really interesting as well. Because I remember doing Insights Discovery uh, when I, I was a manager in healthcare and there was another manager and I that really came out very similarly uh, on our preferences, but how we showed up in a meeting was very, very different. And I thought Emergenetics sort of pulled that out. It's like, oh, okay, you know, my assertiveness, uh, you know, and flexibility, and I think there was one more, I can't remember what they are, but you know, I, um, Emergenetics was a good one too. I, I haven't done that one, but I've, I've heard of it. Um, and I imagine what you're describing is kind of what, like what culture smith calls a blind spot mm. and so they help you figure out what is your blind spot in each of the four quadrants mm. so for me and i'll get really vulnerable and share this is not a, this is a negative a negative connotation what me, like if i'm it, so in red which is time and results if if i feel pitched in time my blind spot is to be entitled and so i know that about myself and i and i just am mindful that when I feel short of time, that's how I will likely show up. And so, you know, just, it's kind of an emotional intelligence thing and being able to self-manage and not show up in that way. Yeah. Uh, but being mindful of what those blind spots are is it's crucial. Um, and that's been a, a big part of my own personal growth is just being mindful of how I'm likely to show up if, you know, I'm pinched in time or if I, have an issue at home, which is impeding on, you know, my relationship quadrant uh, in my green, how I'm likely to show up there mm -hmm. and so on and so forth. It's, it's really interesting work. And I think, 
anybody, whether you're an employee, whether you're a leader, it, it doesn't matter. Um, I think anybody would get value out of understanding what their personality colors are and what their blind spots are. I think so too. What I, what I run into now, because mm-hmm. we're all so woke, <laughs> is, that, <laughs> is that I always get pushback when I play personality games or, or make generalizations. Mm-hmm. People are like, well, well you know, we're all beautiful and we shouldn't pigeonhole people. And, you know, I don't want to talk about what makes us different. I want to make, talk about what makes us the same. And, and yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. And we are all, we come at things differently. We're very complex people. And so for the sake of discussion and the sake of understanding and even some, uh, some fun, let's, Mm -hmm divide people up and categorize ourselves. Um, Yes, we can be, we can function in all these preferences. And yes, we have, you know, the spectrum of emotion. We, we, we are more alike than we are different. And let's talk about how we are different and how that can be interesting. You know, that's an interesting concept. And where I think that the cross section is between those two things is your values. So like everybody, I look at my own team as an example. Everybody on my team embodies those four functional values and doesn't embody the frictional. Like that is a hundred percent true. And then I look at personality color and Colby's and everybody's different um, based on their job. Most of them, you know, you wouldn't want me in our finance seat. I can tell you that. Um, so, but, but where we're the same is our values. So yes. I, 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 I don't subscribe to that same way of thinking. I, I don't think that, you know, we should just talk about how we're alike. Sorry, that doesn't really, that doesn't add any value. What we need to understand is how we're different and how the two, it's like two puzzle pieces fitting together. If, if I can understand how you and I are different, Maureen, then I can understand where we can best work together. And that's where the magic happens. If we're just focused on how we're alike, how, how does that add any more value? I don't know. That's just how my brain works. Oh, it's such a, it's such a good point. <laughs> People are really, really, you know, and, and I've come across this in, in, I come across it in the classroom. Mm-hmm. I come across people who are resistant to categorizing themselves and others. Mm-hmm. I come across people who love it too. Like I, like a people, people generally speaking, jump into games like this and have a great time with it. Right. And almost will exaggerate their their traits for the sake of discussion and, and having a good time, which is makes the classroom really fun. But I'm thinking in the last probably two years, even two to three years, I'm seeing more and more resistance to 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 the categorizing, to the labels. You know, as we get, like I say, the sort of culture of of um, gosh, inclusion, you know, you know, as we, as we move towards people who are, you know, not identifying as any gender or people who don't want to be, um, pigeonholed, you know, I want to be who I am. I'm an individual. I'm unique. Yes. And for the sake of understanding Mm -hmm. diversity, which I think is kind of what we're all trying to embrace. Let's talk about the categories and, and preferences, but man, it's been really interesting to see that pushback. Yeah, that is. And I guess I, I personally haven't experienced a lot of that. I've actually experienced 
the opposite end, which is people really embracing it and going, if I can better understand myself, this means that I can better understand my peers and my teammates and, you know, I can be better and I can help them be better. Yeah. And understanding that. Um, I, but maybe it's how we address it with our team that there is no right or wrong personality color. There is no right or wrong Colby. No, there um, isn't. It, it, this is this is about you and understanding you yeah. um, and how we can best help support you to be successful versus putting you in a box and and labeling that box something that's not good. Um, right, right. I, I guess it's maybe just the way we frame it with everybody, but I find most people uh, that go through our hiring process, even, even if we haven't hired them, most of them have said, thank you. I learned so much about myself through this. Yeah. Um, even though it turned out to not be the right fit, I actually got a ton of value going mm. through. So I don't know, that's not been my experience, but I can see why some people might, uh, might not want to go through that. I'm almost bet that they're, they're low quick start. They hate change. <laughs> Well, you know, and I, I think that uh, it is all in how you frame it up. And I do the whole preamble, honestly. I probably rushed through it. But I, I do the whole preamble about, you know, we're all beautiful and we all have preferences. You know, I do, and, and I don't do it in that monotone. <laughs> I actually, I do, you know, believe all of that. Mm -hmm. And then towards the end of the exercise, someone will always pick up and say, you know, I think we all have the ability, like they'll sort of reiterate the preamble, which is great. You know, yes. yes, let's talk about that again, because, you know, there is the potential for people to pigeonhole each other. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm guilty of that too. I mean, I remember when we were in, I was in healthcare and we did, you know, as a frontline nurse and we did some of the true colors, I think. And I remember walking into the room, a room and somebody was like, blah, 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 blah. And I said, oh, you know, what's your, what's your preference? What's your color? And I think it was blue in that realm. It was a blue one. And, and I said, oh gosh, do you need a hug? You know, and <laughs> just having some fun with it. But again, people are like, yeah, I love how your organization has used these tools though. And it sounds like really made use of them. You haven't just sort of done these little things and then put them on the shelf. You've actually really made use of them in how you structure people's days, how you uh, communicate, how you, you know, market, how you accept clients, how you work with clients, all of that. So good for you. Thank you. I've had a lot of help. It wasn't just my brainchild. <laughs> awesome. So now here we are in quarantine. Mm -hmm. How's that for you? Um, interesting. Mm -hmm. So the, the shift to um, moving everybody uh, to working from home, you know, wasn't too disruptive. We, our team, like our team is global. So we have, uh, of course, our office here in Calgary. Um, but, you know, lots of people would work from home, you know, a few days a week. So it was really no big deal when I said, okay, guys, the office is closed. Go grab your, you know, monitors and the rest of it and bring it home. And we're just going to all work from home for the next mm -hmm. month. So that part's been fine. Um, but what I mean by interesting is just, you know, the market and the change um, and how quickly things have changed. Um, it's been, you know, ups and downs. Like yeah. I, I, 
I'd be lying if I said I've had my head screwed on straight perfectly for the last, you know, how long has it been? Two months. Um, I've had my, certainly had my own challenges of, oh my God, the world is ending. And then, you know what? No, it's going to be okay. And oh my God, it's happening again. So I think everybody goes through this, you know, emotional roller coaster piece. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been, it's been a challenging time. Um, but at the same time, I have found lots of uh, really great new opportunity. Um, there's been, it's been amazing to watch some of our clients. So if you want to talk about challengers and being scrappy, mm. uh, it's been heartwarming to watch some of our clients be like, yeah, no, uh, the door's closed. Well, too bad. We're going to just force it open. Mm. <laughs> like, we're, we're not taking no for an answer. We are not going to just roll over here. Um, so it's been an in incredibly busy time um, for us because we've had lots of clients that we've had to help, you know, shift overnight what in some cases retool their entire business model um, to, to offer a totally different service or move, you know, they were completely retail based and had to move everything online. And so it, it's been... Um, it's just been a lot of moving pieces and a lot coming at us really quickly, but I've been so proud of my team. Mm. Um, they, everybody has really pulled together and yeah, like just helped clients get through it, do mm. whatever it takes. Even if that means being at, on a conference call at three o'clock in the morning, like ev everybody has just gotten shit done, which has been awesome to yeah. uh, watch. Um, and you know, I, I can say too, that, my team and back to this values work, everybody has done such a good job of supporting one another. Like I, there has, of course, like anybody, we've had our ups and downs. We, we do our team meetings on uh, 7.30 on Friday mornings every week. Mm -hmm. And there's been a couple weeks where, you know, the, the tone has been a little lower than, than some weeks, but overall, everybody has stayed, you know, positive and found, you know, things to be grateful for. And when somebody is, you know, feeling down, you know, everybody's pulling together to, you know, pick that person up. It, it's been really, really awesome to watch. And, and I mean, there has been some really challenging things on the personal side for some of my team members that have happened. You know, I have one team member who lost his mom at the beginning of COVID. Um, two team members who, uh, one, her wedding was supposed to be this past Saturday. Yeah that they canceled and another one whose wedding is supposed to be, um, it, her wedding's actually in Asia and I was supposed to be going to her wedding at the end of May. Um, and so they've canceled everything and just, they're literally gonna get married at the courthouse. And so there's been some pretty tough, uh, on the personal side, some tough stuff that's happened, but yeah. everybody has stuck together and really, you know, supported one another. And I've, I've been pretty proud to watch that. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like there's been a lot going on for you, both, like you say, on the personal side and on the professional side. And it is, it is. I like the the word heartwarming that you use because it is heartwarming to see people support each other and do what they need to do to get through it and and accept, you know, the things that they can't change and totally move on. And it is it is heartbreaking a little bit to see what people are suffering through. And you must see that with some of your clients too. Yeah, that has been, um, been hard. I know the first few weeks of, of this, it was tough to go from one Zoom meeting where somebody who 
I've seen to be incredibly strong, <laughs> you know, a really strong leader bawling his eyes out, not yeah. sure what to do. Um, yeah. And then you jump to the next call and it's like, okay, we need to change this overnight. How quickly can you guys pull together an e-commerce site? And so there's, it, it was very much like a roller coaster, but I, I look back on it now and go, wow. Yeah. Like, wow. I mean, sure it was hard, um, but I, I, there has been like no man left behind. Everybody, oh, nice. um, everybody has stayed intact, which I've been so, so glad to see. Yeah, that's awesome. No man left behind. You know, I'm a big resource sharer. Like I think, well, we're all going to be okay because, you know, if I have something you need, you can just have it. Like we just like, you know, and I, that's sort of my MO. Like I'm like, I'm, I would say it's good. Well, I'll be okay. You know, you, nobody's, nobody's going to be left out in the cold here. We're all okay, you know, and, um, but it's, yeah, it's, I don't know. I think, yeah, it's amazing. I'm with you on the resource share thing too. And it, I think it speaks a little bit to just my team and their, their mentality is the first, it was the second week, I call it after doomsday. So it was like the Friday that they announced the new EI rules and everybody went crazy. Yeah. And, um, it was the week after that, a couple team members came to me and said like, we need to do something. Like we have to support people. Yeah. Um, and so we started running uh, weekly webinars. We've cut those back a little bit now, not weekly, but uh, we've been doing um, just free brainstorming calls for anybody. Doesn't matter any walk of life. If you want to talk, if you want help figuring out how do you get through this, if you want help figuring out how to work remotely, um, it was really like our door is open and um, we've had many of those brainstorming calls. Many, many businesses have taken us up on that and it's to been fun to be able to give back and just help people figure out what are their next steps where do they go from here um and yeah that was not my brainchild that was largely my team came to me and said this is what we want to do can, can we do this like yeah <laughs> that's awesome yeah so lisa the the podcast is called broken open and and um that was sort of based on my own experience of experiencing some some real adversity that in hindsight um, was a real gift and, and essentially opened me up to a new way of thinking, being, um, and approaching my relationships. Can you think of a time when you experienced some adversity that felt fairly maybe catastrophic in the moment that in hindsight was a real gift to you? Oh, which one do I pick? I know. Whatever one you want to share. Um, I'm actually going to go way, way back. Um, so in my, my very first business, uh, we had, we worked with children with learning disabilities, um, did a lot of tutoring programs, summer camp programs. Uh, I'd psychologists that um, worked on contract helping write IPPs. And we had this retail space uh, that we operated out of. And we'd had some trouble prior to this happening with wiring on the second floor. And then I had gone away for a few days and told my employees, I need some time off. Don't call me unless the office burns down. Like I literally, <laughs> I don't, I, and I kind of wasn't kidding. And then on the Saturday night of me being gone, I got this phone call and our office had burned down. And I was like, what, you're kidding, right? Like you're, you, I told you not to call the office. Anyways, so uh, they call and said, yeah, you know, the, the, 
fire firefighters are here everything's kind of under control but you should probably come home um and you know we need to sift through all the computers have been burned and it's a nightmare so long and short of it is um you know i I did come back we we got things cleaned up we had to do kind of a midnight move out of the space into somewhere new that we could operate out of um and then there turned out to be a problem with our insurance Mm. and oh it was it we battled it out for years and years um with that landlord wanting us to pay um for operating in a space that we couldn't operate in um and there was obviously the there was an issue with the wiring it was totally out of our control and so there was a clause in our lease um stating that they should have covered it so we went back and forth um and eventually just permanently moved into our new space and i guess the biggest lessons i learned out of that were you know trusting myself um not this is back to the being scrappy and not taking no for an answer we could have quit i literally could have just that night came back and said you know what we're throwing in the towel not uh you know not going to do this anymore and i would have left all my employees without a job um but instead, we figured it out, moved to a new office space, um, and that business operated, um, you know, for a number of years in that space until I, I sold it, and I think that they still operate in that same space today. But lots of lessons learned through that one. That and reading contracts really, really thoroughly before you sign them. <laughs> right. So what do you think um, helped you most go for uh not go down the road of um it's over you know we're out and and just walking away to you know powering through and um making a success of it and moving on like what do you think was what do people need to know what did you hmm. what, what advice would you give for people to help them do that I think the, the, the biggest advice I can give is to remember that it's a choice. So I think as entrepreneurs, we get in this place of that everything's being done to me and that I, you know, everybody's telling me to hustle and that I got to keep going and I got to, no, it, it is a choice. We are making a choice. If you're working a hundred hours a week, no one's making you work a hundred hours a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was totally a choice for me back then. I had the choice to walk away if I, you know, I could have, um, but I chose to stay in it. And, and I, to this day, that is something I work with, um, with my coach a lot. She'll ask me, are you in choice or are you back into the, is this being done to you? Mm. Anytime that I can shift myself into this place of, no, I have a choice here. I get to decide. Um, it gives this whole other lens to look through. Um, I, I, for myself, I feel like it, it lifts a burden. Um, that burden of feeling like it's being done to you feels so constricting and that you're, you know, being forced and that you're helpless. Whereas if you're in choice, even if something's hard, you're choosing to do that hard thing. And you can also choose to walk away from that hard thing at any point in time. Choice is such a big deal. Recognizing your choice. Thank you for that. That's huge. Gosh, it just came up yesterday. It was someone else too. And I think in this time of 
of um, pandemic. There's so much going on that we don't have a say over. And so recognizing that we have choice in how we handle it and what actions we take. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and I love it. And how that ties back into your values too, right? Like leadership, you know, intuition, being proactive, all of that probably showed up uh, for you. As soon as you realize that you have choice, those are sort of guiding principles about who you are and, and, and how you, how you want to be for in, sure. in those choices. That's amazing. Well, and it, it's, it's kind of interesting. I've, I've been playing with this new concept the past week or two. I, I had this call with uh, my coach Fallon and I was saying just how burnt out I was feeling you know as much as my work is fulfilling I feel like I've been running a marathon since COVID hit and I kind of was saying like I just I feel like I need a bit of a break and I don't know where I'm going to get it and so she said to me you know I don't think it matters what's in your calendar like when I look at my calendar and I see you know 10 meetings in a day and I go oh no oh my god um she said, I think it actually is more how you approach those things in, in that calendar. So going back to this choice piece and just choosing to be calm, choosing to, you know, just take it as it comes and, you know, show up to each meeting and, and not feel like you have to have this intensity to get through the day. <clears throat> and at first when she said that, I was like, no, it very much matters that I have 10 meetings instead of three in a day. Yeah. Um, now there is a physical limitation there, but I've, I have been really trying to embrace this new concept of being in choice, but also just choosing to be, you know, calm and kind of steady Eddie and take it as it comes. And it has made a massive difference for me. I've made a big shift just in the last week. Um, I, I feel like I'm sleeping better and I'm clearer headed. And it's just because I, I don't feel like I have to show up and be so intense. doesn't mean that I can't show up and do a good job. Um, but I just, I'm choosing to be a little bit, little dialed back, just a smidge for my own sanity. So I'll have to report back to you on how that goes if I make it two weeks in that mindset. But (laughs) But just to know that that's available to you. Yeah, it's it's kind of cool because I've I've never that you know mindset like the woo woo world is so not me. I've I've never really been able to get there. um, But there are certain things that. You know, if I can see a cause and effect, I'm willing to at least give it a shot. And, and it's been surprising to me, some of those mind, mind shift, or I don't know what to call it, but shifting your mind. Yeah, um, yeah. For me in, in certain areas. Good for you. Um, do you have anything that you want to promote before we end this um, little convo that we're having? I think probably the brainstorming sessions. So if anybody is, you know, needing, you know, help through this time, they want to brainstorm out an idea. Um, you don't have to just be a business owner either. Um, I've had calls with you know, people that have been laid off and, you know, want to start a business or have an idea, anything really. Our, our doors are open um, and we want to be able to help people. That's fantastic. How do people um, get in touch with you or sign up or engage with this? There is a blog on our website where you can go and uh, fill out a nice little form of, you know, your name and what you'd like to chat about. And then somebody from our team will reach out and help you get scheduled with a Zoom call. Awesome. Okay. So I'm going to put your website in the show notes. Great. 
Um, is there any other contacts that you'd like in the show notes besides your website? Feel free to throw in my LinkedIn as well. That's probably my most active social media platform. And again, okay. feel free to reach out. I'm happy to have a conversation. Awesome. And now we've talked a little bit about this, that Stampede is, is um, cancelled this year. Uh, we will have to find a way to wreak havoc on the general public uh, without the Stampede uh, being available, because that is our specialty, is, is for you and I to uh, partner up <laughs> with some cowboy gear and uh, harass uh, harass the general public. So that's what we'll have to get <laughs> Absolutely. Awesome. Well, it's been a pleasure to see you again. And thank you very much for your time today. Oh, thanks for having me, Maureen. It was fun. Friends, thank you very much for listening. I am again your host, Maureen Towns, and I'm the founder of Maureen Towns Consulting. And what I do is I support families who are really struggling uh, to support people in their family or people that they love who have mental health and addictions issues. And I help take those families from chaos to calm. My work is based on my 25 uh, plus years working in healthcare as a nurse, both in the public and the private uh, system in both Ontario and Alberta, and also my education and facilitation in leadership, uh, and also my success and my failures as a mom supporting children with mental health and addictions issues. And you can read all about those issues and how I came to know what I know and all the things that I wish I had known years ago when I began the journey with my kids uh, in the book that I'm going to publish this year called Broken Open. Same name as the podcast. Um, you can find me at maureentowns.com. Uh, please don't ever hesitate to reach out. I'm happy to chat with anybody. And uh, if you enjoy the podcast, please uh, subscribe and share widely. Take care of yourself, my friends. Bye. Yay!